This call is being recorded. Hello and welcome to my show, Searching for Integrity. My name really is John Smith, and I'm searching for people with integrity. Why? Because our country suffers from IDD, Integrity Deficit Disorder. We have a special session today, including a Beatles song, The Fool on the Hill, and a review of the editorials concerning recent events, editorials by famous writers in the newspaper. I'll begin reading some of these just to help you along with the events. The first editorial is from Stephen Roberts, who teaches politics and journalism at George Washington University. I'll begin. American promises broken in Afghanistan. After American troops departed Afghanistan, General Frank McKenzie, the chief of the U.S. Central Command, said, there's a lot of heartbreak associated with this departure. We did not get everybody out that we wanted to get out. But I think if we'd stayed another 10 days, we wouldn't have gotten everybody out that we wanted to get out. Heartbreak is the right word. So is betrayal. Several hundred Americans and tens of thousands of Afghans who loyally served the U.S. mission over the last two decades have been left behind. As a nation, we've broken our promise to keep them and their families safe from the Taliban's holy warriors who now occupy their country and seek revenge. This is a moral disaster, proclaims a Washington Post editorial. One attribute not to the actions of military and diplomatic personnel in Kabul, who have been courageous and professional in the face of deadly dangers, but to mistakes, strategic and tactical, by Mr. Biden and his administration. Perhaps keeping American troops in place for 10 more days would not have made a big difference, although that's debatable. European leaders, like British Prime Minister Boris Johnson, strongly urged Biden to extend the U.S. military presence, and a recent ABC Ipsos poll found large majorities of Americans favoring that course. But the real mistakes that led to the current disaster were made many months ago when the White House was warned repeatedly and urgently to speed up the process of granting special immigrant visas to Afghan allies and employees. With the administration, which clearly wanted to believe that Afghan forces would be far more effective in resisting the Taliban, they then proved to be ignored the alarms. As I wrote earlier this summer, after Biden pledged to protect our Afghan comrades, but words are the easy part, at least so far, the administration seems uncertain and unrepaired, 
prepared in dealing with those Afghan allies. The charity they face, the jeopardy they face, was totally predictable. Once Biden's decided to pull out, so why isn't there a better plan? Any plan, really, in place already? The core of the problem is that Biden has followed two contradictory policy goals. Get our allies out and get our troops out. Keep our promises and keep to the August 31st deadline. It was never going to be possible to fulfill both aims. That's why he is in such a mess. In his defiant and defensive speech from the White House, the president insisted we were ready for any eventuality, including the collapse of Afghan resistance to the Taliban. But that's obviously not true. He also said it was time to be honest with the American people, but he has never been honest about how and why he and his advisors made such a disastrous miscalculation about the fragility of the Afghan military. A miscalculation that has imperiled so many of our loyal Afghan allies. So what happens now? The president talks good, a good game, saying there is no deadline, or continuing efforts to extract vulnerable Afghans. But as Secretary of State Tony Blinken has admitted, we have no illusion that any of this will be easy or rapid. With no U.S. soldiers or even diplomats left in the country, Washington must rely on allies like Turkey and Qatar to reopen the Kabul airport and enable evacuation flights to resume. We're also working to identify ways to support Americans, legal permanent residents and Afghans who have worked with us to depart via land routes, Blinken adds. The president continues to insist that the U.S. retains enough leverage over the Taliban to make these strategies work. But it's not all clear what he means. Diplomatic pressure, foreign aid, world opinion, and to believe promises from the Taliban is to indulge in the same wish, wishful thinking, that self-delusion that led to the current chaos. At the post, as the Post wrote, any assurances by the Taliban clash with statements their spokesman made during the crisis that the United States was wrongly inducing Afghanistanis to leave, not to mention the group's record record of murdering received enemies. Yes, the demonstration by the administration successfully extricated over 120,000 people from Afghanistan in recent weeks. A truly remarkable accomplishment, and foreign policy seldom becomes a voting issue in American elections. But so far, Biden has failed to keep his word to many endangered Afghans who remain under Taliban tyranny. The next uh, editorial is by Peggy Noonan, Wall Street Journal. 
The title is The Afghan Fiasco Will Stick to Biden. It hit at his reputational core. He no longer comes across as empathetic, much less serious. August changed things. It wasn't just a bad month. It left a lingering, still head-shaking sense of this isn't how we do things. We don't wake up, we don't make up withdrawal dates that will have symbolism for photo ops with the flinty, determined president looking flinty and determined on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. We don't time epic strategic decisions around showbiz Exigenes, exigenes. My fault, sorry. We wait for the summer fighting season to pass. We withdraw in the winter with Taliban warriors are shivering in their caves. We don't leave our major airbase in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. Without even telling the Afghan military. We don't leave our weapons behind so 20-year-old enemies can don them for military play-acting and drive up and down with the guns and helmets. We don't fail to tell our allies exactly what we're doing and how we're doing it. They followed us there and paid a price for it. We don't see signs of an overwhelming enemy advance and treat. It merely is a perception problem as opposed to a reality problem. You don't get the U.S. military out before the U.S. citizens and our friends. They will protect them if you do that. The president's people think this will all just go away and are understandably trying to change the subject. But the essence of the story will linger. Its reverberations will play out for years. There are Americans and American friends behind Taliban, Taliban lines. The stories will roll out in infuriating, sometimes heartbreaking ways. The damage to the president is different and deeper than his people think because it hit at his reputational core at how people understand him. His supporters have long seen him as soft-natured, moderate, a sentimental man, famous for feeling and showing empathy. But nothing about this fiasco suggested kindness or an interest in the feelings of others. It feels like a blunder, then the exposure of a seamy side. Does he listen to anyone? Does he have any people of independent weight and stature around him? Or are they merely staffers who approach him with gratitude and deference? What happened with the U.S. military leadership? There's been a statue shift here, a stature shift, too. Did they warn the president not to leave Bagram Air Base? Did they warn that the whole exit strategy was flawed and unrealistic? If the president was warned and rejected the advice, why didn't the general care enough to step down, either in advance to stop the debacle or afterward to protest it. 
did they just go with the flow? Did they think the president's mind could be changed so that the heck implement the plan on schedule and hope for the best? President Biden's relations with the Pentagon have been cool at best for a long time. Maybe some generals were thinking, I can improve future relations by giving the president more than he asked for. He wants out by 9-11. I'll give him out by the 4th of July. It is important to find out what dynamics were in play because it's pretty obvious something went wrong there. The enlisted men and women of the U.S. military are the most respected professionals in America. They can break your heart with their greatness as they did at Hamid Karzi International Airport when 13 of them gave the lives, their lives, to help desperate people escape. But the top brass, something's wrong there. Something that August revealed. They're all so media savvy, so smooth and sound bitey after a generation at war. And in some new way, they too seem obsessed with perceptions and how things play as opposed to reality and how things are. There has been a lot of talk about Mr. Biden and what drove his single-minded instance insistence on leaving on his timetable. Axios recently mentioned the 2010 Rolling Stone article in which General Stanley McChrystal and his staff made brutal fun of Biden. Former Defense Secretary Robert Gates wrote in his 2014 memoir that President Obama told him, Joe is over the top about this. Mr. Obama himself in his presidential memoir wrote of Mr. Biden warning him the military was trying to jam him, trying to box in a new president. People have been rereading George Packer's great 2019 book on the diplomat Richard Holbrook, our man. Great not only as history, but as literature. Holbrook met with Vice President Biden one day during the first Obama term, and they argued about Afghanistan. Mr. Biden dismissed Holbrook's arguments for protecting Afghan women's rights as bull. Their discussion was, according to Holbrook's diary, quite extraordinary. Mr. Biden said Holbrook didn't understand politics and that Democrats would lose the presidency in 2012, in part because of Afghanistan that we have to get our out as we did from Vietnam. There was a politics in President Biden's decision and frustration. Mr. Biden had spent years in Afghanistan meetings in the Senate during the Bush years and later in the White House as vice president. He would have seen up close more than his share of military spend. Contradictory information, no one with a sustainable strategic plan, and plenty of that old military tradition, CYA. Afghanistan was emotional for him for personal reasons. This would be connected to his son's service in Iraq and the worry a parent feels and the questions a parent asks, as may be the things Bo Biden told him about his tour. And I suspect there was plenty of ego in it of sheer vanity. A longtime friend of his once told me 
Mr. Biden's weakness that he always thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. I asked if the rooms were usually small and the friend didn't bristle, he laughed. I suspect Mr. Biden was thinking he was going to be the guy who finally cut through to stop the nonsense, admitted reality, who wasn't like the others driven by fear of looking weak or incompetent. He was going to look with eyes made cool by experience and do what needed doing. Cut his cord, end this thing, not another American dead. History would see that what he'd done, it would be his legacy. And for once, he'd get his due. He's not some ice cream eating mediocrity, not a mere palate cleanser after the heavy meal of Trump. Not a, place, not a placeholder while America got its act together. He would finally be seen as what he is, a serious man. Un homme serré as diplomats used to say. And then when interned so bad so quick, his pride and anger shifted and the defiant, defensive, self-referential speeches. Do they not see my wisdom? When you want it bad, you get it bad. This won't happen, but it would be better for his White House not to scramble away from the subject. Let's go to the hurricane but to inhabit it fully, concentrate on the new reality of the new Afghanistan, the immediate and larger diplomatic demands the security needs. Get the Americans out, our friends out, figure out a plan, what you would do and say if, say next November, there is a terror event on U.S. soil and a group calling itself Al-Qaeda 2.0 claims responsibility. And within a few days, it turns out they launched their adventure from a haven in Afghanistan. Don't fix on perception. Focus on that ignored thing known as reality. Thank you, Peggy. That was interesting. Very interesting. Here is an article, editorial by Byron York, titled The Ugly End We All Saw Coming. At 9.05 Monday night, State Department spokesman Ned Price issued a plaintive message to the new rulers of Afghanistan. The Taliban needs to meet its commitments and obligations in Afghanistan. Price tweeted, those commitments and obligations include respecting freedom of travel, safeguarding the basic rights of the people, engaging in counterterrorism, not carrying out reprisal violence against those who stayed in Afghanistan, and forming an inclusive government. Who is Price kidding? Here's a quick answer. The answer is no. The Taliban is not going to do those things. The more immediate question is, what about the Americans still in Afghanistan after the last U.S. plane left Kabul? We believe there are still a small number of Americans, under 200, and likely closer to 100, who remain in Afghanistan and want to leave. Secretary of State 
Antony Blinken said Monday night, Blinken would never have said it this way, but those Americans are now pretty much stuck. That is an end President, President Joe Biden specifically pledged would not happen. If there's American citizens left, we're going to stay to get them all out, he told ABC News on August 19th. The military effort to remove the Americans and many more Afghans is over. Now, any effort to bring Americans out of the Afghanistan depends on diplomacy, and that depends on the Taliban. While the military evacuation is complete, a diplomatic mission to issue additional U.S. citizens and eligible Afghans who want to leave continues. General Kenneth McKenzie, commander of the U.S. Central Command, said Monday. The diplomatic mission, not long after McKenzie spoke, Blinken announced, as of today, we have suspended our diplomatic presence in Kabul. State Department employees previously in Afghanistan have now moved to Doha, Qatar. Given the uncertain security environment and political situation in Afghanistan, Blinken continued it was the prudent step to take. It is not clear how American diplomat efforts will continue with a government that has made the country too dangerous for American diplomats. Also in question, just who did the U.S. government rescue from Afghanistan? You've probably heard a lot of numbers thrown around, but combining Blinken's and McKenzie's presentations on Monday, some basic facts emerged. First, the U.S. rescued about 6,000 American citizens who were in Afghanistan. It airlifted many times that number of Afghan allies. More than 120,000 people have been safely flown out of Afghanistan, Blinken said. That includes about 6,000 American citizens. But the big number, 123,000, was the total for coalition airlifts out of Kabul, not just American efforts. McKenzie said it this way, since August 14th, over an 18-day period, U.S. military aircraft have evacuated more than 79,000 civilians from Hamid Karzari International Airport. That includes 6,000 Americans and more than 73,500 third country nationals and Afghan civilians. This last category includes special immigrant visas, consular staff, and risk Afghans and their families, at-risk Afghans and their families. How carefully are U.S. officials vetting those who leave? Former Trump administration official Stephen Miller and Ken Cuccinelli are suggesting that the Biden administration has lowered standards or thrown them out altogether for examining the past of airlift passengers. We're not really vetting them before bringing them here. We can't do it that fast, Cuccinelli tweeted recently. It's normally an 18 to 24 month process with 14 steps. Think there might be shortcuts now? A recent New York Times account seems to support that contention in the first few frenzied days under the Taliban, the Times reported Sunday when rumors swirled of American planes 
transporting Afghans directly to the United States, thousands of people without passports, visas, or identification cards flooded Kabul's airport and were placed on Doha-bound planes. That doesn't sound like a very rigorous system. Now, Blinken is pledging to keep the haphazard process going. We will continue our relentless efforts to keep Americans, foreign nationals, and Afghans leaving Afghanistan if they choose, Blinken said. With its frenzied, careless, and improvised withdrawal, the the Biden administration has managed to unite those Americans who supported an end to U.S. involvement in Afghanistan and those who wanted to see the effort continue. Now the question becomes whether there can be any unity among U.S. law and policymakers when it comes to cleaning up the president's mess. Well, uh, those are some important editorials that uh, tell the truth about what's going on. And uh, I promised that Beatles song. Uh, Let's see if you find some association with this. Day after day, alone on a hill, the man with the foolish grin is keeping perfectly still, but nobody wants to know him, they can see that he's just a fool, and he never gives an answer, but the fool on the hill sees the sun going down. And the eyes in his head See the world spinning round A long way Head in a cloud A man of a thousand voices Talking perfectly loud But nobody ever hears him Or the sound he appears to make He never listens to them. He 
Well, I would say that was entertaining. We've got to say that uh, it's 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 not me. It's the Beatles. The Beatles said there's a fool on the hill. Um, one last thing regarding uh, so history as well is a quote about. Finally, when it comes to bad generals, let us remember Truman's immortal words about firing MacArthur. I fired him because he wouldn't respect the authority of the president. I didn't fire him because he was a dumb son of a bitch, although he was. But that's not against the law for generals. If it was, half to three quarters of them would be in jail. Thank you, listeners, for today's session. I've enjoyed it uh, quite a bit. And uh, maybe we'll have more of these in the future. And thank you, listeners, for searching in for, ch checking in for searching for integrity. So long and happy trails to all.